Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. Welcome to Young Adults. My name is Jared. Hey, if you are interested in sharing this video out to your friends and family that might need uh, just an idea of what's happening tonight on Facebook, you can hit the share button on our uh, Facebook Live, and that should go out. Man, everybody needs the good news of Jesus Christ and the story that we have for this evening. Uh, hit Facebook, go to Facebook, hit like. And on our app, you can follow along with all of our notes, all of our Bible verses. There should be a Bible in front of you. You'll have the Bible on the screens with you. But hey, tonight, as we continue in our rest series, in our, in our grow series, we're talking about rest. Rest is something, man, Logan had a tough topic last week talking about money. Uh, nobody wants to talk about what's in their wallet, but like rest, everybody's like, I'm interested in like knowing how to rest better. That's something like I uh, consider myself a little bit of a connoisseur of sleep, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'd like to do that a little bit more. But uh, we, have, we have two young boys. We have Thatcher, who's three and a half, and Jetson, who is one and a half. Um, and then we have one on the way, due in July, if you didn't know. Yeah, we're excited. Um, but things happen when you um, already have one child. They, they say like, hey, don't make one transition when you're getting ready to have uh, a, another one, like space them out. You know, you bring another child into the home, it could freak them out a little bit. So um, Jet, we were like, man, he, he was doing great. He deals with transition in a super good way. Um, so we're going to go ahead and move him out of his crib and into a bed. And uh, one of the ways that we did it, just to get him ready, we, he could climb and crawl around. So we're like, we're going to put him on uh, a, a mattress. We'll just put the mattress on the floor. Soon we'll get him a bed. He's in a bed now. I don't want you guys to think we're just putting a mattress on our floor for our kid. Um, but we, we put him on a mattress, and we're like, he can do it. He slept in a bed before, you know, when we held him, and we left him there. So during a nap, this will be our test period. We'll, we'll do a nap. We'll put one of those gates on the door that he can't get over, and then we'll just let him cry it out, like, I don't know, that might be bad parenting. It might just be us trying to get him to sleep better, but we're just gonna let him cry it out for this nap. So what happened over the next couple hours is he walked around his, his room with his blanket and he's just holding his blanket, just crying, trying not to find his crib that he, he used to have. But like, took a look at this picture um, the, of, of Jet. Do we have that pic? So there's Jet laying on the floor, I mean, just straight up passed out, like six feet away from a very comfortable bed. Okay, like he could have been sleeping in the bed, but he just got passed out. And I'll be honest with you, like this was one of the first times that we put him in a bed and he still does that. He'll cry at his gate and he'll just fall asleep at the, at the door. And he's like a sound machine on and like a heater in there that we'll just like, you have to like move him very carefully so you can shut the door around him. I do that, my wife puts him all the way in the bed, but at parenting styles, you know, everybody's got one. Um, but this started even a little bit earlier with our older son, Thatcher. Thatcher, uh, when we found out that we were pregnant with Jetson, we were like, man, we, we got to get him. We, we only owned one crib because I don't know what type of rich person owns two cribs. Uh, but we were like, we're just going to do the one crib thing. So we're going to go ahead and start transitioning him out. Um, his crib, like you could take a door off and it, it, it sat pretty low so he could climb in and out. So we did it with him. And here's the thing with both of our kids. They're both... There's a difference, but one of them's stubborn and one of them's strong-willed. Thatcher is strong-willed, okay? And they're three, so I can talk about them all I want. But Thatcher's strong-willed. Um, so Thatcher walked around his room, cried, walked around his room, cried. Thatcher didn't fall asleep on the floor. Do you have that picture of Thatcher? Thatcher fell asleep standing up. <laughs> like, standing. He's on his feet there, and he just thought, man, it's best to just lay down. But go to the next picture. Look how far away he was from his bed. 
like feet away from his bed. He's like, nah, man, just laying down right here is going to be best for me. Like, it's such a ridiculous picture because you can see how close they are to their comfortable bed. And you're like, man, you'd be so much more comfortable if you just like moved over just a little bit. Like, I don't know about you, but like if you get the chance to take a nap in the middle of the day, like you can see there's light coming in through the window, you're like, I'm going to take a good nap, all right? Like shades are coming down, sound machines coming on. We, we've, been, we've been broken from sound machines. It's incredible. If you don't, Logan said it a couple weeks ago, if you don't sleep with a fan, something's off. Like if you don't have some sound going on, like I'm serious about when I get a chance to take a nap, like when I get a chance to rest. But I, I, this is such an interesting topic because this is not something, this is not a spiritual discipline that most people are going to go, man, I just don't see it that way. I don't think I could use more rest in my life. I disagree with that. I don't want to, you know, be more rested. Like, I, just the other day, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking on rest. I'm doing this. And this, I'll be honest with you. This is not something I feel like, man, I do this really well. I'm a good rester. Like, when I rest, I don't feel rested. I wake up in the morning, man, I slept a couple more hours than I normally do. I don't feel good. I feel like I slept too long. Like, I feel like I abuse my ability to rest and like, man, I can, I can be okay with like three, four, five hours for a, a couple nights in a row. So I abuse that. Why would you not? But when we talk about rest, I, I feel like we, we end up being polarized in a couple of different ways. We end up either thinking that, uh, man, I, I just need more rest in my life, or man, you need to work harder. And, and that might be the case for some people. And, and I hope that tonight you have a good idea of where you're at in that spectrum, that man, maybe you're at a place that you've been resting and you need to, to work hard. You need to put your nose to the grindstone. You need to do what it is that God has in front of you and you need to do it well. Or on the other end of the spectrum, man, you have been burning the candle at both ends. You've been working so hard. You need to take some time off and rest. But we live in an age where, man, anxiety is at a full-time high. Stress is at a full-time high. Man, all-time high. We have kids that are being treated for anxiety, depression, stress. Like this has never really happened in society before that we're realizing that kids are dealing with these things. And we end up wanting rest from things, like we're scared of stuff. Man, I, I need to step away from that, that, that situation, so I need some rest as an escape. Like, who hasn't gotten home at the end of the day and been like, man, I just need to just not do anything for a little bit. And then there's nothing wrong with that in the, right, in the right amount, but you just need to sit down for a minute. You just need to watch a show on Netflix. You just need to play video, whatever that is. Like, you need to just unwind. You need to disconnect. That we, we do that to a certain extent. We rest in that way. That, man, you, you hop into Netflix and your phone and you rest for maybe a couple of hours and you're like, man, surely I was on my phone for 15 minutes. And then Apple has that new thing that reminds you how long you've been on your phone. And you're like, ah, how did I do three hours of Instagram today? Like, I only did it like 15 minutes here at work and then 20 minutes on my lunch break. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, that, that added up pretty quick. That you sit down for that one episode of Netflix to disconnect and you're like, man, I am on season two of a show I just started. Like, I didn't even, I'm not even that interested in it, but I sat through it. I'm interested now, and by golly, I'm going to finish season three before I'm done tonight, right? That we have rest as relaxation, that we need to relax. That, man, maybe you just need sleep. Maybe you've been working really hard, and you're like, man, I, I have got no plans this Saturday. I am going to not set an alarm. I'm going to hit my phone on do not disturb, and I'm just going to sleep. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to take, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to sleep. I'm going to have no plans. I'm going to relax. I'm not going to answer my phone. Good luck getting a hold of me because I need 
sleep, I need no plans, that we view rest as restoration. And the thing about this is, I mean, I kind of said it, but I don't feel like this is something I'm good at. I feel like I fit into that camp that I can rest for a little bit, but I end up wasting my rest time. I end up staying up too late, doing things that aren't productive. I end up sleeping in too long on things that didn't really matter. And I think we all kind of have maybe a bend in one area or the other. On the other end of the spectrum, we, we really value um, the hustle. Like, it's 2020. If you don't have a side hustle, what are you doing, right? Like, if you're not making money on the side, what, what, what are you up to? Like, if you're not going to school, going to college, uh, getting that master's degree, uh, also dating someone, and maybe doing something on Pinterest on the side, or maybe trying to start your YouTube channel, like, what have you been up to? Like, what, what are you even trying in your life? And I do believe that we need to work hard. I think that God puts us where he puts us to be the best version of ourselves, not, not so that you can be just the best version of yourself, because, but because you represent Christ everywhere you go. You bear the image of God. And I think it's valuable to think about, man, we are called to both. We're called in this work and we're called into rest. And sometimes I can convince myself, if I could just have another minute, if I could just have another five minutes that I could plan my day tomorrow, everything would be better. And I just want to do a quick exercise with you all right now, okay? We're going to take 30 seconds, and I'm going to let you think about, and it's not going to start until I say start, but we're going to take 30 seconds. Nothing's going to happen. There's not going to be anything on the screen. I'm not going to say anything, but we're going to take 30 seconds, and you get to think about what it is that you have to do tomorrow. Ready? Go. Now think about what you have to do this week. Now think about semester long. What do you have to do? All right, that's it. That's 30 seconds. I did that with my wife last night, and she goes, you're going to induce a panic attack. You, you seriously might. Like, somebody might have an anxiety attack thinking about all the things that they have to do. But I, I want to use the same 30 seconds. It's going to be 30 seconds, just the same. But I want you to reflect. I want you to reflect on who God is. Maybe you're here, and you don't have much of a, much of a perception of who God is. But I just want you to think through some of his characteristics, that he's perfect, that he loves you, that he is grace filled, that he is willing to forgive you. I want you to just reflect on God for 30 seconds. Ready? Go. Wasn't that 30 seconds different? See, what we're going to talk about tonight is that we were made for a rhythm of rest. That we were made for seasons of work, and we were made for seasons of rest. And if you spend your rest time, how I can use my rest time in that first 30 seconds and go, man, I've got some downtime. Let's play in the next thing. Man, I've got some downtime. Let's fill my mind with something. It's not going to feel like rest. It's not what God intended rest to be. But God infused rest time into our 
schedules into our daily, even just our needs. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But God infused rest time into who we are as people so that we would just sit and reflect. That we would recharge batteries. Everything needs rest. Um, You guys just sat through some music, and I really appreciate musicians. My wife went to school for music for four years, so she was around it a lot. She was a vocal major. She was really good at it. Um, But part of her being a really good singer is that she knows when to stop in a song and when to pick back up. If she just sang for an entire three-minute piece and barely took a breath and was just getting breath out, but just singing, 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 you'd be like, all right, hey, we get it. You can sing. Like, that's enough. Let me tell you, like, I appreciate Tyler playing the drums. He's like animal from the Muppet Babies up here. He's crazy. But man, I, I, I seriously, drums by itself might be one of the most terrible sounds in the world, okay? Why? Because most drummers are like, let me show you everything I can do. But what's good about drummers is that they play and then they rest. And they play and then they rest. It's true of your technology. My brother has a standing appointment to go to my grandma's house and work on her computer. Why? Because she never turns the thing off. Like, hey, my computer's having this problem. Well, grandma, when's the last time you powered it off? Well, when were you here last? All right. Like, everything is meant to have its moment of rest. Some of you, like, have watched a a documentary on bears, and you're like, man, hibernation might be my thing. The way that they do that, I think I could get on board with. No, I'm kind of living a bear lifestyle, kind of a Winnie the Pooh vibe is what I'm going for. Everything's built for these rhythms of rest. And I'll I'll even argue in a minute that we're reminded of these rhythms of rest in our own day. We can puff up our chest and say, man, I, I am working as hard as I possibly can. But you might be able to go a day or two, but after 24, 48 hours you are going to need to sleep. That God has built into us, even just biologically, physiologically, that we need rest. Look at Genesis 2. That's where we're going to be at. We're going to flip around a little bit tonight, but Genesis 2 is where we start. This is where God creates, and he's making things, and he's making man. And it's really incredible, because you see God making everything, and then he stops, and he takes rest. Genesis 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all a host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. See, there's no misnomer here that God, God was not going, oh, man, I just created everything, so I'm going to take a break. No, no, no. God, it, it talks about earlier in Genesis how he breathed things into existence one by one, It it was just the same as you breathing. Like you've been sitting here and you probably haven't been thinking about breathing. That's how God was just, there's the Grand Canyon and there is the ocean and there's people. Like he's just breathing things out. He's like, that's great. God did not sit there and rest because he was tired. But God built it into a rhythm of rest for our lives. God rested before he was tired. And I say that saying this is a a principle that I think we need to take into account because my tendency is to run as far and as fast as I can for as long as I can until somebody goes, hey, you're looking a little haggardly. You should maybe take a day off. And then it's probably two or three more weeks before I do that and take that day off. It's probably a long time before I actually take some time and sit and breathe and take a minute. Um, 
in, I think it was in October or late September of this last year. I've had a handful of small back problems, never anything crazy, never anything that couldn't be handled by a chiropractor in a couple visits. Um, But in late September, early October, I was busy. Like we helped do one sole purpose at this church and I I help with it. Uh, We give out shoes to, we we gave over 2,500 pairs of shoes this last fall and that's when we do it and it's busy. Young adults is finally getting the ball rolling. We're, We're getting busy and I remember just kind of every night is like, man, my neck is just absolutely killing me. And it was bothersome and I'd have good days and bad ones. But I remember one morning in October, I went to get out of bed and it felt like my body moved and my neck stayed there. And I was like, something happened. I don't know what happened, but like my neck stayed there and it felt like somebody just stabbed me. And I remember, I mean, I'm such a baby with pain. Like my wife has such a high pain tolerance and mine is so low. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm not opening my eyes. I'm like, Tyler, I need you. I need you to carry me somewhere. And she's like, what's happening? But I remember in that season, it was like God, God intentionally slowed me down because I was just running so fast, so far, as much as I could do. And it makes me appreciate and really listen to in Psalm 23 when it said, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down by green pastures. I was like, man, he, he watched me go. He went, okay, you're going to stop. Okay, you're just going to keep, okay, I'm watching you. Hey, why don't you lay down for a minute? That into our lives, God has built these rhythms for rest. And we can fight them. And we can end up with some weird physical injury that I honestly feel like God stopped me in my tracks to say, hey, you're doing this all on your own. You, ha- you haven't talked to me in a while about what you're, even the stress that you're going through, you haven't asked me about. You, you're going to talk to me about this? Then it was humbling. Over the next eight weeks, I went to the chiropractor and I paid money so that someone would look at my neck and go, yeah, you haven't been taking very good care of yourself, have you? Well, no. And it's weird because the chiropractor can look at an x-ray and go, yeah, you don't drink very much water, do you? No. And he can look at things and go, well, your stomach looks a little unhealthy. Are you eating well? It's like, uh, what do you consider eating well? I'm eating enough. I know that much. It's not good food. But God built into, these, into our lives this rhythm of rest. And we can either fight it or we can lean into what God has for us and truly understand the type of God, the type of love that he offers us, what he gives us. And there's this cool thing that happened in Genesis 2. Um, Genesis 1 is the creation story, that God's creating everything day by day. So there's six days before that. And if you read it, he creates, he creates, he creates. And then it says, he saw what he created, and it was good. And there was morning, and there was evening. And then the next day comes up, and he creates, and he creates, and he creates. And he saw that it was good, and there was morning, and there was evening. Read this again. In Genesis 2, he says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. There's no, hey, there was morning and there was evening. Did did the writer of Genesis, did the author of Genesis just forget to put in that the sun rose and the sun went down and it was light and it was dark? Or was it a picture of God's delight? In Hebrews, it talks about how we will enter into God's final rest with him, perfection for eternity. And there's a reference in that to this that says, 
God stopped and he just delighted. And in God's delight, there was not a moment for morning and evening. There was only delight. That there's this idea that God's rest is perfect. His delight is perfect. Reading through this, one of the verses that I was thinking about using until I came to this, and I was like, I have to bring this up. In Philippians 4, when it talks about, hey, are, are you anxious about anything But in everything, give it to God by prayer and supplication. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. And it was like, at the end of the Bible, we start to see in Philippians where we have the peace of God. But man, it doesn't make any sense. The peace of God comes underneath your life and just, you, you, you could look at the situation that's going on in someone's life and go, how do you have peace in that? That doesn't make any sense. And we look at God in the beginning of time in the peace of him, it, it transcends night and day. It transcends light and dark. That the God that we have has this rest for us that's so full and so good that he goes, hey, it's not going to make sense to everybody else out there. That that's what we leave on the table sometimes. That we don't live in his rest. We don't live in his delight because we're, well, God, I've got to do all these things. God, I don't know if you've noticed, I have a lot going on, so... Thank you for thinking that I need rest, but I need to go ahead and go do some things. God sees that in people. He sees that tendency in us. And God had his people, the Israelite people that we see throughout the Old Testament. And in Exodus, God is kind of providing a way for them. They've come out of Egypt. They've been under slavery. They've come out of Egypt and they're wandering around this desert for a while. And look at what he says in Exodus 16, verse 22. He says, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. So what's happening here is he's been feeding them. They're in the desert. They don't have any food. But God's saying, hey, I'm going to provide you this, this manna, this bread from heaven, this thing that you can make bread from, and you eat with it. But I, I'm going to add a caveat. I feel so strongly about the way that you should rest and take a minute that I'm going to build into the way that I give you food a break. So... On the sixth day, take in twice as much. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each, however much that is. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that's left over lay aside to be kept until morning. So they laid it aside till morning as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. They didn't have refrigerators. That's great. Uh, Verse 25, Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. And what you read next is, it says, some went out into the field, and they did not find any. Like, it's almost comical how, how... I can do this exact thing. Hey, you need to rest. I've known that I'm going to speak on rest for a while, and I have been pushing it off because I'm so bad at rest. The Israelite people did the same thing. Well, God, you're going to provide for us twice as much on the sixth day, so we'll go ahead and take it in. And then they just get in the habit of, well, it's morning. We're going to go out and, oh, no, there's nothing here, right? Like panic sets in. What are we going to eat? Well, remember, I had you grab twice as much the day before that rest is in itself an exercise in trust. Rest is an exercise in trust. Remember back to when I talked about how we go to sleep every night. Like, I, I believe that that's an exercise in trust. I, I read a book a couple years ago that talked about how when we go to sleep at night, you're just really hoping that no one breaks into your home. 
You're really just hoping that no one that you live with is upset with you and is going to, like, end it. Like, really. Yeah, I mean, it's an exercise in trust to a certain extent. But the Israelites saw that in even more of a big play because they were going, listen, we won't have anything to eat for a day. It's an exercise in trust. It's an exercise in releasing control. Man, are you here and you feel like, it's hard for me to release control. It's hard for me to let go of little things. It's hard for me to stop thinking about what's tomorrow. It's hard for me to stop thinking about what I have to do next. But there's a release in saying, hey, the God who created you, the God who knows you at the deepest level that anyone can know you, the God who knows your desires, the God who knows your hopes and your dreams and your failures and still loves you is holding you up. So should you choose to take a rest, you're gonna be okay. And we have to decide, are we gonna take some intentional rest? Are we gonna live a life that's characterized by, I'm gonna go as far as I can, as fast as I can, and I believe that we should try to do big things for God. That's not what I'm saying. But is your life characterized by a pattern and the rhythm of rest? Do you feel that way? Or do you feel like it's all on your shoulders and everything depends on you? And if you don't do everything, well, then nothing's going to happen. At a certain point, we have to release it and say, God, it's you, it's not me. God, I can't. Only you can. It's an active release of control. God can do more in my rest than I could do in my lifetime of work. I have to preach that to myself. One, to just remind myself of who we're talking about here. That makes me pray better. That makes me want to understand who he is better. Look at Exodus 20. It, It keeps going. In Exodus 20, they didn't quite figure it out. Like, they're still getting it wrong on occasion, So he's going to write the Ten Commandments. He's going to write his covenant with them. And he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Excuse me, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Ten, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And listen to to the standard, not just like, hey, you take the day off, but everybody else has to work. He says, you or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner, the visitor who is with, within your gates. Like, take the day off. Do it. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and rested and on the seventh day. And listen to this phrase. This is, this, we see this in creation, and we see this here. That last phrase. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Those are two phrases I think that are really important when we think about rest. He blessed it and he made it holy. What's a blessing? You can bless me with a gift. You can bless me with your presence if I like you. You can bless people with things. You can bless people. It's a gift. It's a healing. It's a good thing that happens to you. It's a giving word. I'm going to bless you. That he gives us rest I think it's both and that we have, our bodies are naturally inclined for it, but he also gives us the Sabbath to remember. But he also says, make it holy. What does that mean? It means consecrate it, keep it for yourself. Um, I, I listened to one pastor talk about this and he said, my wife 
is consecrated. She's mine. Like, you want to ask another woman on a date? You can find somebody else. Like, mine is mine, okay? You can't, can't ask my wife on a date or bad things will happen to you, right? If something's consecrated, it's just for you. It's holy. It's just yours. Don't touch it. Like, there's, it's okay to be territorial about the things that God has possessed as holy. So it's a gift that he's given to you, but it's also something that you have to keep for yourself. God, I need this. Are you willing to do that? Is that where you live with your rest? Is that what you do? God could do more in that time than we could ever do that he's gifted it to us, he's gifted it to us, but he's also consecrated it. Keep it for yourself. Psalm 46:10 says, "Be still and know that I am God." For me, that's hard. Like, it's hard for me to stop moving. Like, if I come home and there's a little bit of a mess, I'm like, I'm just going to keep moving. I'm just going to clean it up. I'm just going to do something. There's not much time that I sit and there's nothing that happens. How many of you, for for that 30 seconds that we didn't really do anything, you're like, I've never just sat for 30 seconds before. I need to fill the silence with talking. I need to fill the silence with doing. I'm going to pull out my phone instead and pretend like I'm getting on my calendar. Like, I've got to do something. Listen, it's hard to be still. But there's this consistent idea within this that be still and know that I am God. There's a couple more verses in Psalms that says be still and wait on the presence of God. There's this idea that being still and the presence of God are intertwined. I think about the way that my kids interact with me. When they come to me and they're like, I need something to eat, I need something to eat, I need something to eat. It's like, hey, 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 I've never let you go hungry. Like, they're skinny, but they're not that skinny, all right? Like, they've never missed a meal. They get snacks. They're doing all right. But when they decide it's time for a snack, it's like all bets are off. I get to treat you however I need. And it's like, no, 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 no. You, you slow down and you ask me, Dad, can I have a snack? And I'm a good father. Not nearly as good as our heavenly father, but of course I'm going to get you what you need. That I think that there's something to be said about the way that we the way that we approach our Father with our requests. And there are times that you need to come to him in just the messiness of today. And that happens. But we also need to come to him and just say, God, I just need to be still in front of you. And I need to minimize my words. Because you're God. In Exodus 31, it talks again about the Sabbath. And it uses these terms, but it never puts any, any handles on actually what that is. But it says, hey, the Sabbath is a sign. The Sabbath is a sign. It says it two times. What's it a sign of? Look in Deuteronomy 5. In Deuteronomy 5, they're talking about the Sabbath. This is what they say. They say, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Hey, when you, when you have the Sabbath, when you stop, when you take a minute, remember where you came from. Remember what it used to be like. Remember where you were. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath. That God wants us to be in a rhythm of physical rest, absolutely. I, I think that that is something that we all have to, to do a better job of getting into a, a good rhythm 
of physical rest, but God also wants our rest to be reflective. He wants us to engage in reflective rest, that we sit down in front of him and we're still before him. And we, we, I just, I'm, I'm still, and I just know that you're God. I'm just going to reflect on what that means. That what they're arguing for in Deuteronomy is that you just kind of stop and you remember where you came from and where you're going. In Titus, a couple weeks ago, I talked about how we, Titus brings up how we were broken, how we were far from God, how we were disobedient, how we had all these things against us that we were hated and that we were hating. But God in his love and kindness appeared before us and saved us. In our rest, and not just laying down in bed at night, but a consistent rhythm that you would stop and remember, man, I was far from God because of the things that I'd done wrong. And now, God has given me a relationship, a love, a togetherness, an intimacy with God that I could, I could never pay for on my own. That that's what he gives us. That he calls us to remember those things. Do you remember that? Are your times with God spent with, God, this is what's going on in my life and I'm just, I'm, I'm offloading everything to you and then I'm just gonna wait in your presence. I'm gonna remember, God, where I came from, where you're bringing me, what you've done for me. I don't ever want to forget that. I never want to grow tired of the story that God gave me, that I grew up in church knowing all the right things and doing them before I really believed them. Why? Because I could see how everyone around me valued that. So I went, okay, I'm seeing that you guys value that, so I'm going to start doing those things. So I started having this nice candy shell of, man, that Jared kid's got it all together. But inside, everything was decayed, that I had something fake going on for a long time until I realized that until I peel that back and let Christ into the middle of it and say, God, this is who I am. Nothing's going to change. Have you done that? Have you given Christ your life and let him come into the depths of you and change you and see you for who you really are and say, God, I need you to change me. I can't do it. The Bible says that if we believe in him and if we trust, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He's gonna forgive you of all the things that you've done wrong, but you just have to meet him and say, God, it's you, it's not me. Does that define your rest? Are you here and you'd say, man, I I would call myself a believer, but I don't feel rested one of my favorite stories is when, what we talked about today is all in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus comes and he's doing all kinds of stuff on the Sabbath that people are going, okay, hold on. I thought that there was a rule. Well, actually, Jesus is coming in and saying, well, if, if the Sabbath is for your freedom, it's for remembering, I would like to heal this man so that he would have healing, so that he would have remembering something good on this day. Is that okay? And it left the people that were rule followers going, man, that's so frustrating how you're able to, to just find a loophole and just execute it. But he went to heal someone in Mark. And it happened, everything, you know, these people were kind of frustrated with him. And look at what he says. And he says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. What does that mean? That Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. 
that God gave us rest, not as a restriction to ourselves, but for our freedom. We weren't made to fit into the confines of that rest of stopping. That you're looking at the Old Testament going, okay, this was old. Is this what we have to do anymore? Not necessarily. But we, the, the, we weren't made for rest. Rest was made for us. That there's a benefit to it for us, that God is saying that. But listen to what he says next. He's talking to these guys that would have held the Sabbath as the absolute top tier. You can't mess with it. And look at what he, look at what he says next. He says, so the Son of Man himself, Jesus, and they would have gone, hold on. You're talking about that old prophecy that the Messiah will be called the Son of Man. He says, the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. He's saying, I rule over the Sabbath. You want rest? Come find me. I will be your source of rest. There's nothing in this world. There's no amount of sleep. There's no amount of sitting. There's no amount of anything that could bring you rest like the name of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to be still and know that he is God? To put down your pride and say, God, it's you, it's not me. I submit to you. I trust you. Are you willing to do that today? Would you bow your head?